0: Welcome to Get Off the Treadmill podcast for business leaders, where we are relentless about helping small business owners get off the treadmill and make meaning too. I'm Sandy Corrigan, and we are going to dive into another conversation that helps us make more money in less time, get off the treadmill, and rehumanize every business leader by giving you your brain back. So this morning, I'm excited to have my friend and fellow business partner, Rob Tate and rob is one of those rare natives in colorado he was born in aurora graduated from ponderosa high school did his undergraduate degree at unc and then regis rob currently lives in beautiful wash park and is hunting for the best coffee in denver so if you've got Mm -hmm. some great coffee you can contact rob rob's been in the real estate industry since 2009 during his career in real estate rob has led taught coached and mentored thousands of real estate professionals and their businesses Rob started out as a partner in the KW Highlands Ranch office until he became the operating partner of Keller Williams Real Estate. While operating partner of that office, Rob grew the businesses of the agents in the office itself with the result of four times profit and profit share under three years, which I'm telling you is quite a feat. Then Rob launched the Keller Williams Northern Colorado office with two top agents and real estate agent team. Within four years, KW Northern Colorado through of the top five offices in Northern Colorado. Currently, Rob Tate is the founder of Downing Street Brokers, a premier real estate team serving Denver's neighborhoods with the Keller Williams Executives Realty Office. And in Rob's free time when he's not working, he enjoys everything Denver has to offer. Typically, you can find Rob at a summer festival when we can do that, <laughs> or virtually enjoying live music, racing around Wash Park on his bike, or trying out the new hotspots. Rob is also a new facilitator with Three to Five Clubs and the Crankset Group, helping other small business owners grow to exponential profit and meaning in what they do. So, welcome, friend.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sandy.
0: Thanks for being on today. So, we just want to get to know you and uh, find out what things you really care about. And so, Talk to us a little bit about your real estate business right now. We'd like to talk about three to five and also you're involved in some interesting causes. So tell us a little bit going from operating principal, owner in Keller Williams, team leader of an office growing that and now to your own real estate team. What are some of the things you've learned?
1: Oh, my God. I mean, you know, there's a lot you can summarize in a 10 year career of of doing all those things. I think the biggest thing I've learned is that who you're in business with matters more than, than anything else, whether it's, you know, joint venture partners, you know, equity stakeholders, you know, employee stakeholders, you know, all that kind of stuff that your, your trajectory will be massively determined by who you hang out with and, and who you let into your organization. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. I think the second thing I've learned is take risks, follow your vision, jump out for it, right? Like if, and then burn your ships like Don Quixote says, which I think there's still controversy of whether or not he actually did that. But the thought process is, you know, when, when you decide to go into a new land, I think burning your ships is probably the best thing you can do to force yourself to figure out how to make it happen. So, I mean, if you have plan B, you know, ready, willing, and lined up, I, I, think, you, I think you pull your punches. So maybe those are two, the two biggest lessons.
0: So go back to being in business with, uh, how important is who you're in business with, and do you have a process now of how you do that and how you determine that that's different 10 years later than how you did that in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean, how I did it in the beginning was like, oh, you seem pretty great. Let's do this. Now it's definitely our our value wait, 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 wait.
0: And that didn't work out so
1: well? No, I mean, there's definitely a few times that to did not work out well at all. So you know, you learn you learn from your mistakes. I think, I think people get into to business quicker than they would get into a relationship, and you know, if if you are more choosy about who your partner is, and then you are about who your business partner is, I think that's telling, right? And so, you know, there needs to be some sort of dating or courtship type period for business. Um, now, I look at shared values. I also very much investigate how you get into and leave all of your other business relationships. So I think I think people demonstrate patterns and how you do one thing in one instance is how you'll approach it in all instances for the most part. And so I definitely look at how you get into things, how you get out of things, how you behave, what's important to you, where you spend your time, like not, not your time Like on vacation, but you know, how do you construct your day? Where do you spend most of your time? If I if I were just to be on a fly in the wall in your normal week, where would I see you spending that time? And is that time beneficial to the organization, business, etc.? And also, you know, just like in a relationship, you got to have yings and yangs. If you have two people that are that are really great at the same thing, it doesn't really help build that synergistic relationship that that can take the hill. So you got to get into business with people that. You know, are aligned with you certainly. That's that's part of the the connection. But you also have to align with people that aren't necessarily good at what you're good at. So that way you have your strength zone, and so do they.
0: So let's talk a little bit about values because you mentioned getting into business with people who have similar values and looking at the strength your strengths as well as the strengths of others around you. So do you have specific tools or a process or anything like that that you use in terms of discovering that? Even a time frame. So if we're having other business owners listen to this. This would be a great time to maybe give them some tips about, you know, how long does that take and Are there tools out there or great questions that can help me uncover those things about somebody that I might want to get into business
1: with You know, I think there's any number of personality tests right Or, or assessments or however you want to jazzify that word up. And I think those are great to help construct stories and events. And it, and it gives a great framework for a conversation you know I know we have some at three to five you know just reach out and those are available to you there's also you know ones like disk and that sort of thing I think the free versions get watered down a little bit but you can still have this great conversation around like tell me how this shows up and tell me how this shows up what's great about people telling stories of their past experiences is not only do you hear kind of what you wanted to hear inside of that story but you hear the other things too. And so if you, if you listen to enough of people's stories about times where they ran into conflict or times that they ran into difficulty and how they handled it and how they decided things and how they process things and how they react to things, we'll tell you how they'll process things with you and react to things with you and all that kind of stuff. And that's what I want to know when I get into business with somebody is I don't want to be surprised, right? Like, I want to go like, oh, that... You know, this person is stressed out because of this. I want, I want to be able to know what will stress them out, not necessarily to avoid it because you can't avoid a lot of things, but to understand how they operate and be prepared for that. And then on the values aspect, you can't just go to somebody and say, do you have good values? Because everybody, even if they don't think or say they do. And so you have to really investigate their story and see, you know, when When they were screwed over by a vendor, how did they behave? How did they handle that? when they were you know maybe in a conflict where they had an opposing view with somebody? how did they deal with that? How did they handle that? How did they react to it? you know looking at all those things tells you paints a paints a picture of their values, but it certainly isn't a hour interview with these seven behavioral questions and then boom you're hired you know that may work for Amazon hiring ten thousand employees that. You know jump in a truck and deliver boxes but it certainly doesn't work in a service business like mine that is you know relatively small but we'll do a lot of things with a small group we run an alpha team not necessarily a you know just anybody on it that does the tasks team does that make sense
0: yeah so what is an alpha team what does that look like and how is that different from other real estate teams
1: i don't know if it's you know i'm not going to comment on other other real estate teams we we expect our people to be highly active, engaged and productive. We certainly love what we do, but if you don't do this work, then you're probably not a great fit for us. We're not a hobby team or a hobby organization. You know, we don't list three or four houses a year and then, you know, make okay money. And that's what like, we live, we breathe, you know, all of this. Like when a client calls us on Sunday night, you know, we we typically answer the phone because, we are there and really service our clients to, to a certain, to a very high level. So I think for us, what an alpha team means is, you know, we're all into the organization and our clients. And and sometimes that means working more extreme hours than other people do.
0: So what kind of goals and what kind of vision do you have for your real estate business and your team?
1: I mean, we certainly have goals of like transaction goals. I think the vision that was the most important for us is we want to, maintain the cornerstone of our uh, clients lives you know throughout the transaction but also after the transaction so you know year 3 after you bought a house from us and you need a plumber we want you to call us because we vetted all of these plumbers to make sure that they're you know cost reasonable do a great job can get out in a timely fashion that sort of thing you need a great resource for a babysitter you know we want to be the call we want to be the centerpiece of the community so that we can provide value to our people throughout not just the transaction but throughout the the life of their household you know kind of think of it like when you list or buy with downy street brokers you automatically get a free subscription to you know who we are and all the things that we offer just by being a client.
0: So Rob, talk to me a little bit about what's behind this. Like we always talk in three to five clubs and, you know, Simon Sinek talks about this when we were with Keller Williams, Gary Keller talked about this. You still are with them. <laughs> so you're probably still hearing him talk about this. We talk about why the why behind what we do. And because I've known you for a long time, I know the why behind what you do has many facets to it, but talk about this kind of giving back and adding to society in a significant way. Why? Tell us about that.
1: I mean, it's definitely one of those deep seated things for me. I think I think if you go and look throughout my history, you know, not only see what I've done, but how like how I do it, I do everything trying to add value, right? So whether I'm trying to add value to my clients, my community, my friends, everything I do, I'm trying to level up value. And that's just, I mean, it's so core to who I am. That's just how I like to operate. Like I don't, I don't like transactionary things. I don't have transactionary vendor partners. I don't have transactionary friends. You know, I'm not, I don't get into an organization that I can't add value you. to. So like, if you're like, Hey, join this group, it's perfect and it's running completely efficiently and you can just plug in and never be anything part of it just it's already perfect I typically don't even get into those but if you're like hey there's this club downtown it's the oldest club in Denver they're struggling a little bit because they're trying to transition from the old regime to whatever a new regime looks like and they could really use some young Denver leaders I'm like that's all in like totally that's my bag right I can add value so I I just that's who I am I just get into those things and thus that's the organization I've created.
0: And you also have a cause be, that you're involved in, correct?
1: Yeah. So we started a cause because uh, we wanted to definitely put not just our transactionary money where our mouth is of you know going and doing all these great events for clients and and you know negotiating great deals for them or you know building out our subscription model as I as I said, but also we wanted to do something that just generally impacted the community. So uh, I have a big heart for music, and so I said you know what what could i do that could help impact the community that also i could you know lean into so that even when i was tired or i worked already a 60 hour week that i could still you know carve out time for and so i thought it'd be really great to to become a, a concert promoter so we started hunger free 303 where all the food or all the profits that we generated from that would go help feed kids in the in the like the schooling system and that sort of thing because You know, one, they're fairly helpless until they get to a certain age that they can have a job. And two, you know, when you're hangry and you don't have enough nutrition, you can't pay attention and you have behavioral problems. I mean, we as adults, when we don't eat breakfast or lunch, can have behavioral problems. I can not imagine what it's like, you know, in that position, not knowing when you're going to get food, having to pay attention to algebra in school when I barely paid attention to algebra in school. Um, and just having all those cards stacked against them, we wanted to help. And we thought it'd be really great to do it in, in a concert fashion. But due to COVID, we unfortunately had to postpone it. But but because of who our partners are in that, I think we're pretty well geared out that a second that the CDC and, and the powers that be would allow a gathering large enough, like 300 people, we could be poised to be that first event right after that happened. So it actually could be really great.
0: Yeah, we wanna. Hear more about that, so you can send me information that I can post when we post this podcast, as well as the video, so we can keep track of that. Also, Rob, how have you guys had to adjust in this COVID environment? You know, in real estate, in your lives, in your thinking. Um, you know, what are some of the pivot points, or shift points, or adjustment points that you've had to make, even in who you yeah. are?
1: I mean, pretty massive considering every aspect of who we are, we developed to be, you know, in like kneecap to kneecap people, right? So the the way that we chose to impact our communities, we put on like, whether it's the community at large or just our own database community, was one of the big things was events. You know, we put on, you know, one to three events every single month that we just thought would, in, that our community would enjoy. So like one event, we had a, you know, special, um, suit and T-shirt fitting, you know, for our male group of our database of saying, hey, you know, let's let's make you look great for that date night sort of thing, and so we had that event. And we had another event where we had this um, pumpkin painting and, and carving. Uh, Thing in Wash Park, right? And it was just, hey, come out, get a free pumpkin, paint it, great time with the family, that sort of thing. So, one of the main ways that we chose to interact with our community was events, and you, you can't do that right now. And so, we had to pivot that. Another way that we were really good at selling homes was we would create this feverish frenzy, you know, the first week or something like that of a home, you know, with a broker open and a huge open house, and, you know, food trucks and you know all that sort of jazz well you can't do that and open houses still aren't allowable and then we were really big on you know one-on-one meetings we would just go out and meet with the owner of that restaurant or that clothing store and see how we could add value to them and do videos and you know help them in, in those arenas well can't can't do that right now so we had to pivot all of our initial items, uh, as well as, you know, do showings completely different, do uh, closings completely different, do uh, marketing, once we had the house under contract, completely different. So for us, we had, to, we had to almost change every aspect of our business.
0: And so how's that been for the team? How's that been for you? Like, what's, what's something good that's come out of it?
1: We were talking about it yesterday. We've, we've learned how to do, we can do events differently. We, we've learned how we can do some, some things more efficiently. I think we're gonna have a blended type world for a bit where some people are going to be comfortable in groups and some people aren't. And uh, I think the advent of Zooms and you know, those sort of things will be a lot more popular. So I think it's caused us to get into the internet more than, than we were socially. We were very heavily in the internet for marketing uh, but we weren't heavy in the internet, you know, socially. And I think that is causing us to, or caused us to get in there, you know, a little bit more. We're more present and, and understanding of social media and how it can, you know, expand not only our business, but but communicate with our world. And I think that's a benefit, um, whether you like Facebook or not. I personally don't love it, but, you know, it is, it is the beast that we have to contend with. And then I think it really helped the world and us slow down enough to... To identify who important in our world, who was our important partners, you know the the people we really wanted to deep build deep and lasting relationships with, just because everything slowed down enough where you could look at things a little bit more clear.
0: I want to ask you a little bit about three to five club and mm-hmm. your involvement. So those of you listening, Rob and I've known each other since like two thousand eight. Like that, yeah. <laughs> a while waged the war of almost closing the doors to an office and turning that around together. It was very much a together thing. And I will always be appreciative of the work and the friendship and the relationship. Like that's really what you're talking about is that we've all, I think, in a good way, reevaluated relationship and we're leaning into the people that in our lives are important. After all, that's all we really have, right? We're not taking anything else but relationship wherever we go on next and best part of this life. So I appreciate you being on here and being in a relationship with you. And so we had a conversation about three to five club and I asked you to come and visit and you decided to jump into that facilitation aspect and talk a little bit about, I mean, you really kind of jumped in and then this whole COVID thing happened. you know, like, you know, really right after that, right? And, and like, I'm "I'm ready to start. I know.
1: Oh, it's a state of emergency. What what is that about?
0: (laughs) It's like, you like everything we do is relationship and need to knee and coffees. And, you know, we've Mm -hmm. had to shift all that. But what's it been like for you? What's happening with that? How, how are your conversations different? Because now you're involved in even the greater business community. I mean, you've always been that involved in that. But you know, as we know, sometimes when you're in the real real estate industry, it can get very myopic and very, you know, we're just, this is the way that we do this and, and all mm-hmm. that. And now you get this continued perspective in the broader business community. So talk a little bit about that experience. How has it impacted you? How is it impacting those that you lead?
1: Well, so three to five in general, I think serves a space that is so massively underserved. It's, it's not even funny where you know you got this great idea right and you 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 just love fashion let's say right and you're like okay well i just i, I don't want to yeah. <laughs> well, do, work at maryland
0: fashion
1: yeah well you don't want to work at Maryland anymore you want to break off and be one of these business owners that rich dad poor dad talk about and so you're like i'm going to go open a boutique shop right but there how do you know how to do that you know i went to regis to to study for an MBA and I realized that the stuff they were teaching me if I wanted to go join corporate America and figure out how to dollar cost average this or figure out the break even point of, you know, building this widget or whatever. I mean that stuff like it's great, but it's all built out to teach you how to be a fantastic middle to upper manager. You know, and I've heard that there's programs out there like DU and that sort of thing that teach you how to be an entrepreneur, but you're gonna go spend what, 150K at at DU to go learn how to open your own boutique shop on on Gaylord Street to to sell fashionable clothes. Like, you know, what's so great about three to five is it helps our business owners out there in the largest area of need is how do you get that business off the ground and into something that's actually worthwhile for you um, that services the needs that you created it for, which is to partially service your life and impact the community. You know, how do you do that? Because there's nowhere out there that provides the education and accountability. And accountability is super important. You can go to a library and read anything, right? You, you actually don't even need to go to school. Somebody wrote it all down in a book and there it is for free that you could just go check out. You know, the problem is filtering the information of what's good and then being in a community such that it can foster the learning and application of it. And, you know, I I did three to five for two reasons. One, it got me in touch with my most important business owners that, you know, impacted our reality here at Downing Street as well as hunger free 303. And it was a way that we could lead them to make sure their organization grew to the extent that we were, so they could always stay partners with us as well as give back, right? Like, if I can help you grow your organization such that it actually fulfills your needs as a business owner, like that's just fulfilling to anybody who can help facilitate that. So that's really why we did three to five was, you know on a, on a selfish basis that kept our partners close to us and growing with us. And then the second part is that we could just contribute and give in to them. And I don't know anyone else it that, that is doing that other than you know, like a DU entrepreneur school or anything like that. Like there's nothing out there for you. man.
0: And you could take that 150,000 you're going to spend on an education and invest it in your business. Right? Yeah. You know, you've got school debt or whatever, and now you don't have anything to invest in the very thing you went to learn about. So, yeah,
1: you're not going to go to DU entrepreneur school to go open your first restaurant. Like, it just it financially doesn't make sense. Like, you know, it costs $250,000 to open a restaurant, then your education costs another 150,000. Oh, and by the way, you have to go through that education. So you have to give up an extra year where you're either working two jobs or, you know, like again, it's just an underserved aspect of the community, which is why I think three to five and Chuck's curriculum is so powerful. It, it, it allows you to learn and do at the same time and, and do it in, you know, what I consider a ridiculously cost effective way. I mean, for the yeah. price of for the price of your internet and phone system at your at your business, boom, you get what you need. I mean, like
0: nothing against those of you who went to DU. Great school, great education, you know, great place. Maybe oh, we, fantastic. yeah. Maybe we need to talk to their entrepreneur department about helping them <laughs> their students. Um, how has it impacted you personally? because you know, somebody might look at you, Rob and say, you run this thriving big real estate team and, and you're working a lot of hours and, and you have this nonprofit and now you're doing this too. Like so for those people out there that might be saying, I don't have time to either be involved or I don't have time to maybe lead something like this, how how are you able to do that?
1: You know, partially and I told my three to five group this is if you're running a business, you have to learn leadership somewhere. So whether you can either learn it in your business, you know, let's say that you're that boutique clother, right? And then you hire some people to help you know, run the store for you, you're now leading it. And unless you really learned leadership somewhere else at a high level, now you're practicing and learning at the same time on that employee or your employees. So I told my group, you know, anybody that doesn't have a lot of employees or is gonna soon get them, Go join an organization such that you can be a leader in that organization to start practicing the leadership skills we're teaching you now. So that you can practice on somebody else's dime right like Start a charity or get into a a charity that could use some leadership roles and practice this stuff there. That way it doesn't impact your your mortgage payment. It doesn't impact, you know, your sales volume and therefore the trajectory of your business. You can learn and practice somewhere else and then apply what you learned in your own organization. So I I think the people that say, I don't have time to learn leadership and, and those that want to run a business, I think they're going to struggle with the trajectory of their business, like in a massive way.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, I am in a three to five club and I lead three to five clubs and it certainly helps me up my game level up in terms of how I do my business because I'm, working on the very things other small business owners are working on too right like Mm -hmm. you can't grow if you don't put if you're not disoriented if you don't put yourself in a disoriented situation you can't grow you're just comfortable all the time or you're freaked out and so i think it's really important to stay in a place where we can always be growing and learning and that's best done with oftentimes business leaders that are yeah, you know, sure not even you know, part of our uh, industry. Kind of love the uh, bottleneck piece with with of you know what with we do three to five to be able to have so a safe place to say i don 't know it's, 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 and it's, it's, have it's, other it's, business it's, owners that know, really know nothing about our business be able to ask clarifying questions and then give us you know suggestions and rain ideas on us and there I've just never found a community like that in all the no. different businesses i've been in i 've never found a community that is so abundant. Mm-hmm. To just literally care enough to press in and lean in and help, it, whether it's an issue or a challenge or a great opportunity, you know, to have people go, "Hey, try this."
1: Yeah, well, and the structure is such that, and, and you bring up an interesting point, right? Like we human beings have difficulty growing if they're not in a pain position, but there there is another there is another way to do it, which is to simulate a pain like position, um, and I think that's what three to five can do. So you know, in, in your business owner trajectory, you could either learn the hard leadership skills on your own, you know, of failing forward and trying it, picking up this book and it doesn't really work and listening to those podcasts and half of that works. And this whole time, it's just this chaotic mess. You could learn that way and a lot of people do. That's exhausting. I would rather be challenged in a group in a setting like three to five to go and do this activity or this activity. And then the pain point is, I don't wanna come back to that group and be like, I didn't do it guys, right? Like, so that's the created pain point. I'd rather have those, you know, strategic, structured, created pain points than the actual emergency pain points of, well, crap, that didn't work, and crap, that didn't work. Uh, because otherwise, without either of those, you're not gonna change, nobody does, right? Like, nobody changes their habits or goes and learns, you know, this brand new skill and already their busy and complicated lives. That there isn't a massive need for it. Need is created based on, you know, you know, current situations in your own life that aren't working. That's, that's how needs are created.
0: And I think too that, you know, you could figure it out. It would just take you a lot longer be even more painful because there's something about being in community and doing it together that really fosters acceleration, you know, um, both you and I have coached people and mm-hmm. one-on-one coaching can be great and the more that i'm in community more the more that i'm in a group the more i see the power and acceleration in even that group experience with people doing stuff together than i often even saw in a one-to-one maybe just cuz there's more eyes on it mm-hmm. so you know especially when we were coaching on the phone you know people can BS you for a while you can't do that in community it's really tough to do that in community you're just Harder. too exposed yeah in a really good way right especially if we're pressing in and we're asking those questions and we're doing our one-to-ones and we're getting to know one another it's it's harder to hide
1: i agree i agree and and you start to not want to like you you kind of merge into the group and to me it's all about trajectory right and why trajectory is so important is is you're going to start here right wherever this starting point is for here and you know, we don't know when this end date is, right? But one day you, we will all die, you know, hopefully much, much later, right? This is a finite time. What determines how high I get and therefore my impact on the world and the life and, you know, legacy I can create with and through my family and all that other kind of stuff, how high I can get, thus is only determined by trajectory, right? Like the lift off of the plane, as as it were. And so I, I constantly look for things that, help provide better trajectory, like a a better angle up. Knowing that if I can get a better angle up, I will get higher than no matter how hard I try on my own at my current angle. Does that make sense? Like, it's not about my effort, it's about my angle.
0: Right, no, that's good. And along the angle, instead of going like this, you're at least, you know,
1: bumping up. Yeah, totally, nothing ever just goes, ah,
0: like, i love susan scott's quote which is life is curly stop trying to straighten it out right it just yeah. like business is curly it's, it's not just it is the ups and downs the dips and the and the highs so talk to me a little bit more about leadership right now i guess i've been just thinking as i'm watching covid and i'm watching all of the protesters and all of the stuff happening and i'm i'm just thinking about leadership right now And I'm thinking about how powerful, in a great way, small business owners can be in terms of leading things in our families, in our communities, in our world right now. You know, I know that Chuck Blakeman often talks about, you know, bringing the best parts of what we do in three to five club to other places because of the leadership, because of the community it builds, because of the opportunity to help somebody. To really teach somebody how to fish and how to fish really well, and how to even create a big fishing organization, not just feed somebody a fish. And so I'm thinking about leadership as I see a void also in our world. And so, talk to me a little bit more about what you guys are doing in your business, and what you're doing through your nonprofit, and what you're doing in your three to five club to bring to even maybe bring people into leadership more, to maybe mentor and coach some of our certainly younger generation into great aspects of leadership, great ways to lead? Because don't you agree yeah. we need it? Yeah.
1: I, I think, oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we used to have organizations that would lead. I guess, I, I, whether this is true or not, I fantasize that, you know, back in the day, whenever the day and back in was – You know, businesses were all about, you know, running that mom and pop shop and selling their widgets or, you know, whatever it is they were doing. They were just that pillar of the community. They were in this economic pillar, right? And then you had organizations, whether they were churches or nonprofits or the government or whatever, that would service the needs of the society, right? And they would lend leadership there. And I think, you know, no matter where you sit, I think on the political aisle, there feels this vacuum of leadership and churches seem to have pulled back a little bit from really leading in a society. Yeah. They certainly lead spiritually, but I don't see them often leading in a society. And then, you know, political people, you know, are very much concerned with, you know, being reelected and making sure that they, you know, don't get too controversial and all this other sort of stuff, but it doesn't really feel like a lot of them are leading. Uh, And they're also very short term, like they have term limits. It's hard to be a leader, you know, for three years and then you're out and nobody ever hears from you again because you're on to the next political thing and whatever. Right. So it seems to me, and I guess this is just a controversial point of view, is that businesses have to pick up this slack. Right. We have the resources. Right. We generate profits. And because we're not a nonprofit playing to a zero sum game, which is a hard game to play. We can then make sure that we're dedicating certain resources to our community, but we have to do it by choice. Like there's no mechanism that forces us to do it. And so I think, I think small businesses being great leaders of their communities is going to be what we will see as leaders come out. I mean, I think that's, to me, that's the natural place that I think leaders are developed, born, in, uh, and, and fostered in, and they stay in the community. I like I, I just look at my father that ran a business in, in Parker, Colorado for you know 30 some odd years. He was there like every single day. He was, you know, a member of the Chamber of Commerce and then a board member and then the president. And then he did this with the Parker like, you know, him being involved in the community understood to him that it would certainly support his business. But the same token, the community needed his business leadership skills you know, to help the community in general. And he chose to lead in. I think I think that's where leadership needs to come from right now because I don't know where else it can. And so for us, we're calling on ourselves as well as other business owners to step up and be leaders, not just in their business, but in their community. Mm-hmm. And we're community-based. Like we're here in Denver, Colorado, baby. Like we're in your homes, we're in your neighborhoods. Like we couldn't be more community and we view it a responsibility lead.
0: I love that, you know, we talk a lot about going from industrial age thinking to participation age, and I think a lot of people think we're there and we're just so not there. In fact, there are not many organizations or corporations that truly have a flat organization that is participation age that is not hierarchical. I think the hierarchical piece is part of our problem right now, and that this gives us a chance to look at how can we create a more participation age in every way in every shape form age color you know background how can we create those kind of organizations where people can find their way to play well with with one another with us and yeah. i'm excited for chuck's book coming out i'm just going to plug it i don't get anything for plugging it other than i just believe in that he's not afraid to write about stuff and and not afraid to write about change in his book rehumanizing the workplace to give everybody their brain back. There's just something that really resonates with me to say. Yeah, there's all these people out there that could find a place in our organizations, and it's not in big corporations. It's not in big political structures. It's not in, you know, it's not in those big organizations. Um, it's really going to be like it used to. It really could be like it's it used to be, right? That we had all these shops in our villages, and we lived above the shop. And we knew each other in our neighborhood and our communities and we fostered a different kind of world. And, you know, in, in in many ways, I look forward to us becoming more local and more community centered and more community oriented. And, you know, there's kind of a, maybe a fantasy in that for me, because I grew up in a small town of going, I liked knowing those people. I liked my dad knowing enough people to know where I was. (laughs) <laughs> what well, I was doing, there was a good thing in that for me as a teenager. Some good ability yeah. in that, you know.
1: And even in large cities, you have communities, you have neighborhoods, and and you know these these pockets, right? And I think corporations have gotten to the to the point where they're the size of governments. You know, like the United States government has a difficult time of just going and telling Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, like, mm-hmm. hey, you got to mm-hmm. do this, like. They almost, you know, corporations and governments now have to negotiate with each other because they're both very powerful. They're at a different level, right? And I think as, as these business, as some businesses have gotten so big, you know, the natural byproduct of that is they've neglected the small communities. We can't rely on Walmart to be a leader in every community it is in. It, it can't do that. It doesn't even know how, and I'm not even sure it wants to try, right? But People like me and you know my father and Parker and you, we're, we need to be the community leaders. We need to be the ones that are, that are leaning in and growing those small groups. Otherwise, there won't be leadership. And in the absence of leadership is a vacuum or just gets gobbled up into to nothing, right?
0: Yeah, and I think we have the ability, you know, we certainly as small business owners have the ability to impact our own families and legacy there and we have impact to help other business leaders in our community, so now we impact an economy of a city. Like what's better than that? Like to make everything better for a community or a city or a part of town. I mean, that's what really at the end of the day for me, the why behind why I do this is I get this global view that when we impact the life of a small business owner, it's a ripple effect. And I get to impact the economy of Elizabeth, Colorado, 1400 people. You know, Elbert County, 26,000 people and 43,000 horses. You know, like I live in this rural area, but as a business leader, I not only impact here by helping business leaders here, but because now we're virtual and even more virtual, I get to help really all over the globe. You know, we say at three to five clubs, you know, the reason we started this is to help business owners get off the treadmill and make more money in less time and have more meaning and significance and legacy. And help us get back to the passion that any of us got into business for in the first place and i can't do that in an organization i've been part of plenty of organizations and corporations and there were some really great things about that i learned some great things but it's there's nothing like the um, impact i think we can make as a real estate team like right as a local real estate team that's impacting that like you said you're in the homes of those people you get to know their families you, get to know what they care about. You get to help them make a transition from one piece of life into a new piece of life. And, you know, it's an honor. It's really an honor and a privilege to be invited in. And that's a small business owner. That's what a small business owner does, so. Yeah, and we're I, also the
1: only ones incentivized never to leave, right? Yes
0: like, yes.
1: like Walmart could easily shut down that shop or that manager, <laughs> even if he has a great heart. And I've seen a lot of, Higher level managers of you know hospitals and that sort of thing lean into the community, you know. But at a certain point, they're promoted, man, right? Like they're like, hey, and now we want you to go turn around this place here, pick up your family. Here's a here's a really cool package, and boom, right? That the, that organization views that employee as the asset to deploy anywhere that organization wants, right? Here in our community, you know, I might open up another shop, right? As we grow. But we're here, I'm not leaving Denver, no matter what, right? Like my dad could have possibly opened a different cabinet, you know, showrooms in, in different cities like Littleton, et cetera, but he's not leaving, right? Like we're here, we are not ever going away. So we're really vested into the community, I think more than, than other organizations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really makes sense. Well, I really appreciate your time I know you're a super busy guy so thanks for letting me get on the schedule with this and is there anything else you want to talk about or tell me or tell our listeners about today Uh, anything that is on your mind or that really matters to you
1: I think the biggest thing is you know chase chase that vision and get into get into an organization that you can impact right no one's gonna do it for you like the philosophy that somebody else will go fix this or save this or help this um, its not gonna work, right? And I think I think we're just at a really interesting time where we can see very easily all the broken parts. And the only way these parts get fixed is if we fix them, right? They're not gonna get fixed on their own. They're not gonna just go away one day. Like, I guess my highest encouragement is to, to, to get involved, support your local businesses, you know, maybe start a local business, like understand that, that how you operate, you know, financially, community wise, has these ripple effects. I think, I think that's the big message.
0: I appreciate that. And, you know, I agree with you, Rob, that, you know, a lot of people are incensed and offended and upset about a lot of stuff right now. And I always look at that and say, why is that? I think that often we're called To have those extreme feelings and responses because we're actually called to be part of the change that's supposed to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can either I can either sit back and complain about it or I can say I care so much about this. I'm going to find a way to make a difference. And, you know, I think that certainly propels me even emotionally and then translates into my behavior to want to do something that makes a difference in a really positive way. And that's That's a good message right now, right? And, you know, what I would have given to have had this when I started my first business, you know, I would have had different failures, but I wouldn't have had some of these. And I agree with you. Like, this could be a great time. I had somebody recently tell me I am making more money off work than I was at work. And I said, you know, that business you've always wanted to start, maybe this is a great time to be able to do that, right? Maybe you turn that little side hustle or that hobby into something that funds your ideal lifestyle that, you know, is able to change your world or change the world in some way. So we can either um, find this time to be really difficult or really inspiring. And so I appreciate your reminder that we can make this really inspiring today. And so how do we get a hold of you for real estate or three to five club in Denver? And you know, how do we how do we contact your organization or you give us your phone number and email and we'll post it. But Say it in case somebody's taking notes today.
1: I'm super Googleable, Robert Tate, T A I T. Googleable, Googleable. Yeah, it's Robert Tate, T A I T. Uh, You could email me at Robert at D Street Brokers, Downey Street Brokers. So D is in the letter, streetbrokers.com. And my phone number is super easy. I've had it since I was 16 here in Colorado, 303 888 0194. And you know you have an old Colorado number when you have that 888 part. So it's 888 0194.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it, and they could probably find you on social media somewhere too.
1: Yeah, Facebook Robert Tate, Instagram Rob is my real name. TikTok Rob in the House.
0: Are you doing dance uh, videos on TikTok? I haven't seen you there. I guess not I'll have yet. I look. Not yet. <laughs> yeah.
1: my, my, it, we're getting close. We're getting close.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, thanks, Rob. I really appreciate you today, and wish you much blessing and. Success and impact um, on your real estate business and your three to five club business as well. And I love you I
1: love And everybody.
0: I just I I consider you such a great friend forever And so you said a lot of really awesome things today that i'm excited for people to hear so thank you so yeah, much Yeah,
1: And thanks for bringing this to to the people. I mean You know the more people having these conversations the the better it will get you know the more people listening to stuff like this the better the world will get because They'll, they'll be spurred by something I said, or maybe another podcast they heard or something to, to actually do something.
0: Thanks. And if you want to find out how to get involved in the 3 to 5 Club anywhere in the world, uh, we're growing and expanding. You can email me at Sandy, S-A-N-D-Y at the number 3, T-O, the number 5club.com, Sandy at 3to5club.com. And I look forward to the next time. So thanks, Rob.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Sandy.
0: Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast was helpful, please subscribe by computer or phone or connect with us at number three to number 5 clubcom Discover how you can get off the treadmill, make more money, and find more meaning by contacting us at grow at 3to5club.com.